0: As Christians, we know that Jesus is good news, and we want to share his love with others. In the past, we'd simply invite a friend to church and let the sermon do the work. However, times are changing, and we're learning that church invitations might not be enough anymore. Today, Jesus is using his people to invite others into their homes and ultimately their lives, and by others, we mean seekers, saints, and sinners, all of the people who make up the body of Christ. Give me a minute. <laughs> Good morning. <laughs> Good morning, Wolden Hills. How are you doing? Good morning, morning Wolden Hills. How are you doing? Yeah, you guys sound like you woke up on the same side of the bed I did. You ever have those? especially since I had COVID, I wake up some mornings and I feel like a truck hit me. It's like, oh, you ever, ever feel like that? Everyone over 60 should be saying amen to this. It's like, it's like, oh. So anyways, it just takes about an hour to get the gunk out of your eyes and your mouth and your throat and you're, you've been gunkified. I'm Greg Boyd, teaching pastor here at Woodland Hills Church. If you're visiting uh, if you're visiting online, uh, we're happy to have you here. And if you're regular uh, in presence or online, we're happy to have you here. This is good to get together. And, um, We're going to crack open the word now a little bit. Um, I first want to say, uh, give a shout out to Labris Fisher, who did such a great job last week. Wasn't that great? Um, I personally had never been to a marriage session with God before, uh, and so this was a first. It was really good. If you didn't hear that message, I I encourage you to uh, check it out. Um, We're going to take a little break from the Sermon on the Mount. We've we've, uh, been at the Sermon on the Mount, how long has it been, Mary? About a year and a half or so? And we got through the, we, uh, we finished chapter 5, woohoo! Um, so we're taking a little break, and we're going to address some issues that are really pertinent to kind of the situation that the church finds itself in at this very unique juncture of time that we're in. Um, so uh, this, uh, we're going to have a, a four-part series and follow that with another little series, both addressing the issues that we're facing today. Uh, and the series that we're in now, we're calling, uh, what, Seekers, Saints, and Sinners? I always get that order mixed up. We, we ripped off Bruxy Cavey's subtitle for his book on reunion. Uh, the subtitle is Sinners, Saints, and Seekers, or something like that. And so we ripped it off. Uh, and thank you, Bruxy, for letting us rip it off. We got his permission beforehand. It's just it's a nice nice title, but it's about mixing it up with others. It's about missional living. So I'm entitling this message. Um, uh, what am I titling this? Oh, uh, Flexing Your Missional Muscle. Flexing Your Missional Muscle, all right? I want to start by showing you a clip from a, a show that I think a lot of us have seen. Uh, it's one of those pixel shows. Um, it's called Wall-E. Remember Wally? I think like 2008 or something like that came out. And, uh, and here's a little clip. It's, it's, it's Well, humans have been able to, I don't want to give the whole story here, but create a sort of uh, paradise for themselves, so they think. And uh, uh, yeah, so they're living, I'll call this wall world. They're living in Wall-E world. Uh, it's where technology can take us. Let's t- take a look at this. Then, what do you want to do? I don't know. Something. Wow. <laughs> Make a place green. No, oh, it doesn't sound Look, I'm tired of so this. If you can't fold the straw, you have to do something any good. good. Your very best friend. Time for lunch. In a cup. Mm. Feel beautiful. It's the new Stunning, right? I know, honey. Men. Attention, Axiom Shockers. Try blue. It's the new red. Ooh. on the date. Every holiday I have been on has been a virtual disaster. It's one. who wasn't so superficial, so you know? There are good uh-huh. men out there. Well, I know. I know because I've scored. The- what the? Huh? Uh, Mary? Lisa. Huh? Oh, 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 oh sure. <laughs> okay. Wally. So this is kind of a picture of the future uh, that's, I call it a utopian dystopia. A uh, utopia is where you have a blissful vision of the future, and a dystopia is where you have a nightmarish vision of the future. And this is a utopian dystopia. Uh, it, 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 on the one hand, it feels like a utopia, because here human beings get to have everything they, they always think they want. Uh, We have every convenience. Everything is exactly our way. You can have things tailor-made to you. You don't have to be inconvenienced by dealing with other things and other people, or by doing anything, extending any effort. Uh, A life of doing nothing but consuming pleasurable things, what could be better than that? It feels like a utopia. But on the other hand, it's a dystopia, a nightmare. Because precisely because humans have managed to get machines to do everything for them, uh, their muscles have atrophied. Uh, even their eyesight is beginning to atrophy because you are always glued to the screen. They can't even hardly see without that screen being there. Uh, it's, it's a dystopia because uh, humans have allowed themselves to just be pulled into internet wormholes, their own little private worlds locked in. And they only interact with other people through those private worlds. It's a dystopia. Uh, their muscles have atrophied. Their ability to critically think about things has atrophied. They're just, they've devolved to a sub-human existence. Humans weren't meant to live like this. And so it feels like a utopia on one hand, but it actually it's a dystopia. And it answers the question. What happens if humans ever get to the point where we have technology that, that allows us to get everything that we ever want, and technology that allows us to never be inconvenienced? We always get to have it our way. Uh, allows us to, well, what happens when, when, when everything is just right there at our fingertips? Um, You've got to be inconvenienced by other things or other people. The answer that this movie gives is you're heading towards, I'll just call it, Wally World. Now, when I say Wally World, I'm meaning Wall-E, not Wally World as in Chevy Chase's uh, family vacation. Wally Wally World. Okay, so Wally World is this dystopia. It's an intriguing concept because there's a number of commentators that argue that, in fact, we are kind of heading in that direction. It's not unimaginable that we could get to something like this Wally world. Uh, in fact, people have been saying this for over a hundred years. I mean, you've got, you've got, uh, Audius Huxley's Brave New World, who wrote the book in, what was it, uh, 1930 or two or something, somewhere right around there. Or George Orwell uh, wrote the book 1984. He wrote that back in 1940-something, 49, I think. Um, more, more recently we had The Matrix, one of my favorite movies of all times. Uh, the first one anyways, the second two sucked, but the first one was really good, Matrix. And, uh, the answer to the question is, like, where is technology taking us? If, if we're not disciplined about the use of this, where will technology lead us? And they're not saying that technology is evil, or that science is evil, or that medicine is evil at all. You take the world that we live in now, and compare it to the world before there was science and medicine and technology, and I guarantee you, none of us would want to go back there. I mean, before there was anesthesia. And Novocaine, oh my gosh. Anyone else here have dental phobia? I, I cry when I get Novocaine. Here they, how, how do you have teeth pulled if you don't have any kind of Novocaine? I mean, just imagine that. Uh, man, you got to be tough to survive back in, the, in, in those days. You wouldn't want to go back there. And you have toilet paper. I can't imagine it. I don't want to imagine it. I'm trying to think about that right now. Sorry. So, so yay, tech. Yay, science. Yay, medicine. Believe in it. It's good. But see, in this fallen world, there's, there's always... Uh, unintended and largely unforeseen consequences, Uh, that we always have trouble sort of factoring into the equation. And one unintended consequence of this advance in technology, science, and medicine, one one, one unintended consequence is that it always tends to, at least the way we use it, it tends to push us in a direction of isolation. Because we like to get things our way, uh, technology allows us to get things increasingly our way. And the more we get things our way, the less inclined we are to be doing the work it takes to mix it up with other people who also want to get it their way, so you've got to learn to compromise. The more, the more we're, we're isolated, the, the, the more we get it our way, the less we mix it up with others who also are looking to get it their way. That tends to isolate us. You think about like um, when, when the refrigerator was first introduced to the indigenous populations, um, it had a disastrous effect. Because throughout history, these, these folks have, have hunted together. And it was understood that when one person gets a kill, uh, then they share it with others. Because next time, someone else might get it, and they'll need them to share with them. And so it was a bonding experience. We need one another to, to survive. And then comes the invention of the refrigerator. And uh, now you can, you can store it up for yourself. You might go out and get yourself a deer or something like that, but why share it with others? You can make sure that your own family is taken care of uh, by putting it in the refrigerator. and and, and keeping it and you suspect that that's what all the other people are doing so now what happens is uh, what used to unite the tribe begins to divide the tribe and uh, yeah it it separates us it isolates us you get to have it your way when you want it you you don't have to trust anybody before you had to trust everybody now you don't have to trust anybody just trust yourself in that good old refrigerator and then comes radio and television and air conditioning and cool things on the computer you can do 24 7 and that's way more entertaining than being out in the hot summer air, uh, uh, being entertained just by talking to your neighbors, which we've done throughout history up until fairly recently. All those te- 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 technological advances are one more reason to stay indoors rather than go outdoors. Technology leads in that direction. You get it your way. You can have a professional entertainment. You can have the best of everything right there in your own home. You don't have to mix it up with anybody. And now we've got the Internet, which, of course, is... is, is allowing people to self-select themselves into these echo chambers, these silos. And time, all their information about the world comes, is filtered through those silos, so they only get the version of reality that they want. Now technology allows you to get your own version of reality. Choose your own facts. And see, the longer that you're in a silo like that, where all, your beliefs are only confirmed, they're never confronted, they're never challenged, you're heading towards Wally World. And, and people's ability and willingness to flex that relational muscle that you need to try to understand somebody who has got a radically different point of view. Maybe something, understand somebody who, who's, whose views are offensive to you. That takes work. It takes a muscle that needs to be flexed. But see, technology now allows us to not do that. The kind of muscle you need to flex to have respect for somebody that you strongly disagree with, well, that's going by the wayside. And see, the old adage is true that if you don't use it, you lose it. And uh, there's more than a few folks that are saying that that is, in fact, in fact, I think it's rather obvious that this is sort of the direction that America certainly is heading, uh, and that the Western world, many people are saying, is, is heading. We're, um, we're heading towards wall world, not flexing that muscle. Te- technology gives us many wonderful things, but there's always unintended consequences that we've always got to be wa- watch out for, be vigilant about. And this undisciplined use of technology is at least in the direction of Wally World, where our relational muscle and our, our critical thinking muscle is atrophying, and we're turning into relational and critical thinking blobs who simply can consume and do nothing with it. That's Wally World. This is one of the reasons, and I just want to, hope he doesn't mind me saying this, I'm sure he doesn't, but it's why I appreciate Braver Angels so much. Braver Angels is this organization that exists For the purpose of pulling people out of their silos, or at least helping us from falling into those silos. Uh, It exists to help us uh, understand one another, red, blue, liberal, conservative, whatever, to talk with one another, to have decent conversations. And so they hold workshops on this, and they have debates that are available. Uh, I don't know, can can you put Brave Angels advertisement up there? Because I encourage you to check this out sometime. They host these debates online on on the most controversial issues you can imagine, and they take people from opposite uh, uh, points of view, bring them together, and they have a dialogue. And uh, it just helps you understand, how could someone think that way? Not trying to convince you of their view, but just to understand that other point of view. Encourage us to get behind this. Well, the, the, the co-founder of Braver Angels is a man named Bill Doherty. Uh, he's been up here before. And he's been a part of our church for the last year and a half. His daughter has uh, been here for like four years or so, whatever. And, and, uh, and, and now he's become part of the community. It's just wonderful. He's the co-founder of Braver Angels. And um, I bring him up for this reason. Uh, they have recently been invited to go to the White House and to speak to a subcommittee uh, uh, in Congress on uh, bringing civility to government because they're aware that right now things are so toxic, so polarized, that nothing much is getting done. Yes, we've got the infrastructure bill passed, but uh, the whole is just toxic. People aren't talking to one another or cooperating or anything like this. And so somehow they got a hold of bra- braver angels and said, Will you come here and help us get along with one another. And, and Bill has now gone and testified before Congress. and I See, he's a part of our community, and so where he goes, we all go. And so I would like you to just be open to the spirit of bringing him to mind and braver angels to mind. Because if, if there's hope, in my opinion, if there's hope for this country uh, going into the future, it's, it's in things like that, uh, where leaders begin to take leadership and role models for the general population, the kind of civility we're going to need, if this republic is going to survive, somebody say amen. Well, you can think of Bill as Captain America, I jokingly call him that. You've got to save this country, uh, but, but keep him in prayer. I think it's an honor that he's a part of this congregation. It's, it's one of the most beautiful examples of peacemaking and one of the most important examples of peacemaking that's going on in this country. Braver Angels isn't a specifically Christian organization, but boy, they know how to do peacemaking. And so, so keep them in prayer, and I encourage you to check them out and, uh, and, and maybe attend one of their workshops or their, 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 their debates. Now, saving America is above my pay grade. I'm sorry. It just is. Uh, But but to kingdom disciples, I would just say this. Uh, The problem is not technology. The problem is the undisciplined use of technology, which means we kingdom people have got to be vigilant at being disciplined about our use of technology, amen? Uh, Put parameters around that. Always be aware of the negative downside, the unintended, unforeseeable consequences of of some of the technology we're using, And, and, and guard your hearts and guard your kids' hearts very carefully. And I encourage all of us, as kingdom people who are called to be peacemakers, to always be trying to understand other points of view, really empathetically understanding them. You may be offended by them. Maybe you may think they're damaging and destructive, but to always be trying to understand that whatever else happens, do not, please do not let yourself get sucked into this wormhole where everything gets filtered through, stuff that agrees with you. Don't, that, that, that just atrophies your brain. causes brain damage. And uh, one of the things we're suffering with in this country, I think, is a serious case of brain damage. All right. Um, flux your relational muscle. If you don't use it, you will lose it. And as kingdom people, we're supposed to be all about relationships. So my primary concern this morning, folks, isn't to save us from going into Wally world. My concern this morning is to help us prevent going into Wally church. Because here's another little piece of technology that is a blessing, wonderful blessing, I love it, but I'm also concerned about its negative unintended maybe unforeseen consequences. I'm talking about live streaming, live streaming. It's been such a blessing during this terrible, seemingly unending, very frustrating pandemic that we're in. In the midst of all this, with the lockdown or whatever, we're able to create a virtual space, have a virtual space where we can still get together and and worship together and, and, and hear the word together and get in gathering groups together and do other activities together. It's been a tremendous blessing, tremendous, in fact, ironically, uh, during this whole pandemic season, I, I feel like uh, this lockdown, in, in, in a weird way, sort of unified us more. It, it, it's kind of bizarre. Before, before we had this, before we, the lockdown, before we had COVID business, um, we had like two, two, two classes of uh, Woodland Hillsers. Woodland Hillsers. Uh, we had the, the, the attenders, the people coming in the building, and then we had the podritioners people who podcast. And the podcasters always felt, to some degree, like they're sort of interlopers. They're sort of listening in on someone else's service. they were not really able to feel like they're part of it. But then during this pandemic, we've got a thing where, where everyone has to be podritioners. And so it has this equalizing effect. And now that we've reopened again, that distinction between podritioners and attenders seems to be quite irrelevant. It's just it, it, something's changed. And I've talked to a number of Padrishners who say they feel like they're more part of wooden Hills, and I certainly feel like many of them are more a part of us as well. And we're now we're looking at ways to make that even more real, having covenant partnership for, for parishioners and, and, and whatnot. We're in a new situation, a new reality, and it's, it, it's, it's just interesting. And it, it's been a blessing for us, but it does present a new situation. As you can see, talking to the people in the building here, looking around, um, This is pretty typical of what we're finding throughout America. Uh, Churches on the whole, even after all the mandates are lifted, after all restrictions are gone and they open up for service again, they're finding that only about a quarter to a third of the people are actually returning. And some of that undoubtedly is uh, an ongoing lingering uh, concern about COVID-19, especially with with the Delta virus that's spiking. People are legitimately staying away for, for that reason. Got that. Got that. But most social commentators that I know, that I read, um, that, that are in a position to know, study this kind of thing, they, they're saying that something, something fundamental has fundamentally changed for good. Uh, we're, we're looking at a new kind of church right now. It, it, the new situation is that uh, many people who used to attend now are choosing to participate via this uh, live streaming. And that's just the new reality we find ourselves in. So it raises the question, what should we do about that? How do we respond to this? And it seems to me we've got two, op- two options. Option one could be this. As soon as this pandemic ends, if it ever ends, um, I could say, okay, time to go back to church as usual. Let's get as many people back in this building as possible. Let's get all the energy we can get in this building as possible. And bring your, bring your, your, your friends and, and, and let's just have a great service like we used to and blah, blah, blah. Go, let's go back to the way it was. And I could even throw in some verses there that get you into doing that. Maybe uh Forsake not the assembling of yourselves together, it says in Hebrews 13. That verse was always used on us to make sure you go to church because there's only one way to assemble, right? Forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. Come on, let's cram them in on the weekend. But we're not going to do that. We don't feel that's the direction we're called to go. I mean, we all need to uh, assemble with other people. We all need community. But no one, nowhere in the Bible does it say that it has to be a weekend service. In fact, the weekend service... Uh, is not really that conducive to building community. It's, it's, it, you don't know most of the people that are here. So we're not going back to that option. If we were to go back to that option, we'd basically be saying, let's go back to church as usual, because that's the church we're familiar with. In fact, that's the church that, 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 that's... The way we have done church is the way that... Basically, we've been church for over a century in, in the Western world. It's called the attractional church model. Attractional church model, and and... and the idea is that the weekend service is kind of a magnet, and it's a magnet. It's, it's supposed to draw people into the kingdom, and you draw people into the kingdom by having, uh, you know, real nice people greeting people at the door, maybe young and vibrant-looking people greeting at the door. You come in and you got an impressive worship service. Maybe they have a fog machine and some lights going on, and you got a you got a a, a nice young and attractive speaker. <laughs> and 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 who, yeah, See, I knew you'd laugh at that one. And. Uh, <laughs> You're supposed to have a young and attractive, energetic, maybe entertaining speaker who's funny, and, 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 and you, you draw people with that. You draw people by having the best jungle gym outfit for your kids you can possibly imagine, and you have cup holders for your cups and all the conveniences, right? So that's the attractional church model. And we've never advocated that, though I think by default we've kind of been a little bit of that. Um, the, the idea there is, is that the, 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 it was a missional strategy. Let's use this weekend service to try to bring people to Christ. And so evangelism in this attractional church model, evangelism um, was mainly about inviting people to come to church, like that clip we saw earlier. That's the main way you do evangelism. And so uh, you hope that they'll be attracted to to, to this church. They'll like the music, the preacher, and and they'll come back, maybe eventually become a Christian. And success in this attractional church model, success was always about how many people do you get into your auditorium? How many people stay? That's your criteria of success. It was a missionary strategy. And like all missionary or evangelistic strategies, it had some pros and it had some cons. One pro, one advantage is that, to a certain degree, it worked. And to a certain degree, it still works. Um, It works because it taps into the consumer mindset that is pervasive here in America. People generally see themselves as consumers. And as consumers, it's natural for us to go places to check out things. We go to the auto store to see what kind of car we want, and grocery store to get the kind of food we want, and clothing store to get the kind of clothing we want. And so if you're spiritually curious, you go to a church to see if you get the kind of spirituality you want. And so there's a naturalness to it. It works to a certain degree. To a certain degree, it, it, it still works. I don't want to smash this too hard uh, because we're still using it. And I'd still say, if, if it's natural for you, if you have a, a, a friend or a neighbor, somebody who's spiritually curious— if it seems like it would work, feel free to invite them to the church. There is a unique, there's a unique something that happens when we get together physically that can't be replicated. And God can use that to impact people's lives for the better, be able to lead them to Christ. So still be open to doing that. But we're not going to emphasize that. We're not going to say, let's go back to the way it was. Uh, because it's a attractional church, by a while, it still can be used to bring people to Christ. Uh, it also has some downsides some significant downsides. I'll just mention three. <clears throat> the first is that uh, this attractional church model, it was losing steam even before COVID. In fact, there's some people who are saying that the attractional church model, this idea of the weekend service as a magnet, the wow factor, that, that it, it started dying in the 90s. Um, it, you'll still have examples of this going on. I mean, some people just are really good at building big things. Joel Osteen, and we'll, we'll have mega churches around, but Most of the folks that know kind of church life and and church trajectories are saying that this is not the the church of the future. Uh, This way of doing church is already on the demise. Uh, Among other reasons, younger people are generation X and Z. They're tough customers when it comes to impressing them because they already live in a world that is sensorily impressive. They they got bells and whistles and the coolest stuff going on all, all the time. So when they come to a service and you got a fog machine and some good music, yeah, they've seen that a million times before. And so, yeah, the preacher's maybe a little bit funny and makes a good point now and then. But, but they hear the best, and they, 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 the music is the best. They, they've got their preferences already lined up. And so trying to impress them with your church is a really hard sell. A lot of other reasons are going on as well. But In fact, younger people, they aren't drawn to big things the way boomer generation was. They're not as easily wowed as the boomer generation. In fact, they're suspicious of it. They tend to be suspicious of organized big things. They tend to gravitate more towards the small. So that's the first downside of this this, uh, attractional model. The second thing is that precisely because the attractional model tapped into the consumer mindset, it used the consumer mindset to a kingdom advantage. Precisely because of that, it was never very good at making disciples. And it's not hard to see why. If you attract you know, if you, if you people with a certain kind of bait, uh, they're going to stay, they're going to keep keeping that kind of bait. That's a fishing metaphor, by the way. Um, or it's like this. So you, you draw people by giving them their preferences. And, and so they, you put in mind the idea that, oh, Christianity is about me getting more of my preferences met. But see, discipleship is the opposite of that. Discipleship begins by saying you surrender your life to Christ. And whatever else that means, it means you're going to have to say no to some of your preferences. You submit your preferences to, to God's preferences. That's what it means to be a disciple, a disciplined one, one who's in the process of being disciplined. And if you've got a consumer mindset, that is not very attractive. Consumer mindset says, I get my preferences, and all of a sudden you're saying, I don't get my preferences. Well, that just doesn't, uh, that just doesn't sell well. So they may be attracted to your church or the wow factor or whatever, But uh, trying to sell them on discipleship can easily go in one ear and out the other. Especially if the only means you have of influencing people is a 35, 37-minute maybe sermon once a week uh, at best. How much change can you really do in a person's life with a 35-minute talk once a week when the rest of the week they're being filled with all sorts of nonsense? So it was never good at at, at, uh, uh, making disciples. And the third thing is this. While it was uh, to some degree... Uh, to some degree, an effective strategy at getting people in a building and sometimes leading people to Christ. Well, that's true. Um, It never was was written in Scripture. In fact, the truth is that the general thrust of Scripture goes in the opposite direction of the attractional church model. Old Testament, New Testament, throughout the whole biblical narrative, you don't find God telling his people, hey, invite the world to come to you what you find is God telling his people, you go out into the world. You bring what I've given you and you bring it to to other people. Uh, Consider, for example, Jesus' last words. uh, Or they're at least among his last words. And and the fact that they're among his last words makes it more important. If I'm leaving you permanently, the last thing I say to you is the thing I want you to remember most. So this is emphatic here. Here's what he says in Matthew 28. He says, All authority... Jesus came and said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go therefore, since I've got all this authority, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Note, the instruction is not, hey, go and invite everybody to come to you. No, it's you go to them. Last word, go. Get out of here. Spread this gospel. And you find this throughout the Bible. It's emphatic in the New Testament. Uh, Jesus in John 17, he's praying his high priestly prayer. And among other things, he says this to the Father. He says, Father, as you have sent me, I have sent them into the world. To be a follower of Jesus is to be a sent one. That's where the word missionary comes from. You're a person who's on a mission. You've been sent with a mission. You live on purpose with some intentionality. You've got a job to do, and you're sent to do it. Jesus says, as you have sent me, so I have sent them into the world. This is as corny as it ever gets, but maybe it'll help you remember. But it came to me while I was putting this message together, and I hesitated to share it because it's so corny. But I almost was going to title this sermon this because it's so corny. But the slogan might be this. We've got to put the go back into the gospel. Come on, somebody say amen. <laughs> put the go back into the gospel. It's, 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 it's a gospel, not a come spell. <laughs> invite spell. No, put the go back in the gospel. There you go. Maybe I should have entitled it that. And see, it doesn't mean that we're all supposed to go somewhere else. Uh, it might mean that. be open to God calling you to say you're supposed to move to this country and be a missionary or whatever. That that might happen. But it's not primarily a geographical sending. It's more of a, a, a sociological sending or community sending. It's, it, it's saying go out from the comfort and convenience and preferences of your own community and bring good news to others. It means that we take the initiative at, at, at serving others. We take the initiative of building relationships. We to take the initiative of being good news and speaking good news to all people at all times as God leads us. Putting the goal back in the gospel. But see, the, the, that, that goal is precisely what often got missed with the attractional church model. If you're appealing to people based on their preferences and you leave the consumer mindset in place, well, they will hear you when you say that you know, God wants to bless you. But they may not so clearly hear you when you say God wants to bless you so that you may be a blessing to others. And they'll, they'll, they'll hear you when you say you're a beloved child of God. That, that, that meets their preferences. But when you say you're a beloved child of God who's called to be an ambassador for Jesus Christ, an ambassador of the kingdom, you're a beloved child of God who's called to, to be the hands and feet of Jesus, to be a walking billboard for the kingdom, uh, you, you, you're called by God to be a sentinel someone who's on a mission, well, that they may not hear so clearly. It doesn't fit their consumer grid. It doesn't match their preferences. It's not what they want to hear. It doesn't conform to their confirmation bias, what they expect to hear and what they want to hear. What often got missed in this Attractional Church model is that when you surrender your life to Christ, he, he, yes, he blesses you, and you're his child, and it's wonderful, but part of that blessing is that he calls you to be a blessing to others. He, he, he calls us and empowers us to be goers, to go, to do, to have this... So, so. He gives us this, I might call it, a a, a missional muscle. And that missional muscle is our cooperation with the Holy Spirit to do the the work of the kingdom. But see, that missional missional muscle, that that missional impulse that we all have, because if the Holy Spirit abides in us, it's there. But it needs to be exercised. It needs to be flexed. Like everything else, if you don't use it, you lose it. It atrophies, it decays, if we're not exercising in a way. And And the attractional church model... Uh, it, never was, it never was that good at empowering people to actually be the ambassadors that God calls us to be. It, it never provided context for people to begin to learn how to flex that muscle. So we're not going back to the attractional church model. We never endorsed it, but we were partly that by default. But we're not going to emphasize that. God still uses it, and to the sense that God still uses it, let God use it. If it's natural to invite people to the, to be present in the service, absolutely do that. But option number one is just simply not the option that we feel led to go to, which raises this question then. What's option number two? Come back next week, we will tell you. <laughs> so here's the deal. We have this pandemic hit and then we have lockdown. So we go to live streaming and it's been a tremendous blessing, as I said. But this tremendous blessing can go one of two ways. We really are at a crossroads here. I can go one of two ways. The first way would be disastrous. The second way could turn out to be a tremendous transforming blessing for the church. So first, the disastrous way. If live streaming is simply, I'll put it like this. If, if we view live streaming through a consumer lens, I think the church is doomed. <laughs> That's maybe saying a little too strong because God will win in the end. But, but it, it will be disastrous for the church. If we view live streaming, And want to use live streaming just because it makes our life a little bit more convenient. It allows us to get our way, the way we like things. If it just means that your Christian faith even costs you less than it used to, well, that would be disastrous. If we use live streaming and we don't come together simply because it conforms to our preferences, it could be disastrous. If it's just one more way in which we don't flex a missional muscle and don't grow a missional muscle It will be disastrous. It means we're heading towards Wally World. We'll be consuming good news but doing nothing with it. We're turning into relational and critical thinking blobs. That's what I mean by Wally World. And that, if we go the route of Wally Church, where we just consume and nothing's being produced by it, the church will die. That church can't last more than one or two generations. Because, you see, at least, at least with the attractional church model, you had something identifiable that you could invite people to. And it took a little bit of missionary muscle flexing just to invite someone to go to that church. So there's at least that. Well, now with live streaming, you don't even have to do that. So what's going to replace it? Where are we going to flex that muscle? If, uh, if this is just one more way in which our Christianity is, makes our life a little sweeter and you don't have to be inconvenienced. It could be disastrous. But there is another way that we could go with this, and it's the way that I believe we must go with. And uh, instead of being a disaster, this could be a tremendous, it, it could be transformational in the church. And I'll be flushing this out more in the next couple of weeks because this is option two right here. And option two is very simple. It's simply this. Whether you're a padrishner by choice or a padrishner by necessity because of where you are. In fact, this applies to people who are just regular tenders. This is the time, this is a Kairos moment in history, a unique time in history. Things are changing. The foundation is shaking. Things are being undone. This is the time to start reexamining everything. God's doing a new thing. And and, uh, it means that this is the time to start flexing that missional muscle, cooperating with the Spirit of God to bring about God's kingdom uh, in this world. Jesus was sent to inaugurate the kingdom, and now we are sent out into the world to implement that kingdom, to expand that kingdom, to embody that kingdom. And invite others into that kingdom. We, we. This is the time for us to all, all of us to start really seeing ourselves as the missionaries that we are, the ambassadors of Christ that we are, the hands and feet of Jesus that we are. We really are that, and we've taught that all the time from, from day one. We've taught this. But one of the good things that God is bringing out of this terrible, unending, frustrating pandemic that we're in, one of the good things is that it, it allows us to see this more clearly than to, to see how, just how true this has always been. And it provides us with a fresh opportunity to begin to flex a missional muscle maybe that we haven't flexed before. We have a great opportunity here. Here's an analogy that, that I, I think works. During this unending pandemic that we're in, um, uh, we've, 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 we've hailed and, and praised our frontline workers and our essential workers, and rightfully so. Because while the rest of us are staying as far away from this pandemic as we, we can, and we should be doing that... Um, These are folks who have to go into the pandemic. That's why they're frontline workers. Doctors and nurses and others who are willing to put their own health on the line, their own safety on the line, and they sacrifice time with their family and friends and be praying for these folks, especially with this fourth wave because the exhaustion and frustration level among the medical personnel is at an all-time high. But see, they're heroes because they are the frontline between us and the pandemic. They They are what allows us to keep on going on in some semblance of normal while this pandemic is raging. But as most of you know, and so these are the folks that say, the buck stops with us. But as most of you know, this world suffers from another kind of pandemic, doesn't it? And it's been suffering under this pandemic for centuries. And this is a, this is a spiritual pandemic. This world is, there's a, there's a virus, a sin virus, a diabolical virus that goes around and inflicts us. Uh, this is, world is spiritually oppressed. And, and it, it's corrupted by, polluted by, and characterized by uh, sin and brokenness and pain. This pandemic has been raging. And the principalities and powers still reign and keep that corrupting influence going on. The vast majority of people on the planet don't even know about this pandemic, and that's why they keep on getting infected by it. But see, by God's design in this spiritual pandemic, which is far, far more important and lethal than even this COVID pandemic that we're in, by God's design, we are supposed to be the front lines. You are the front lines. The buck stops with us by God's design. We're called, Jesus said at one point in Matthew 16, he says, "You know, upon the rock of your confession of faith, Peter, I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. And what he's saying there is that when, I, when, when I'm building my church, I will build it at the gates of Hades, the gates of hell, the center power of darkness. In other words, the church is supposed to be setting up shop in hell. You want to be a missionary? We're all called to be a missionary. Well, then go to hell because that's where we're supposed to be establishing church we run into the pandemic because we're supposed to be the front lines and God really needs that that's what it means to be an ambassador of Christ what it means to be the body of Christ the hands and feet of Christ what it means to be a sent one someone who lives on purpose with intentionality and is seeking first the kingdom of God but see you can't be you you can't be the front lines if you're not willing to go and reach out take initiative Um, we've got to you can't be on the front lines if you're not flexing that missional muscle And so this is the time, this Kairos moment that we're in. Kairos, it's it's a biblical word. This means a unique time. Not all times are equal. This is a really unique moment. It doesn't take a rocket scientist to see that. And so this is a time to be open to the Spirit of God doing new things in us. We don't have a clear idea what the church is going to look like in the future. No one does. Uh, And to some degree, that's an advantage because I think we were all too predictable back then. Maybe it's time we start following the Spirit and and get some flexibility and spontaneity in, in following the Spirit. This is the time for each of us to realize just how important we are to God's plan for this planet. You are an ambassador. You are a missionary. You are a frontline worker. And so, if, 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 if you're choosing to streamline uh, instead of attending, we bless you for that. That's fine. There's no judgment on that. We're not going to be, everyone should come to church. But we would say this as an ambassador pray about that so it's not just one more convenience in your life. How might God use that time to spread the kingdom in your neighborhood or your family or whatever? I'll be open to the Spirit leading you in that. So I'll be fleshing this out more in, in, in the uh, weeks to come, uh, a couple, next three weeks, what, what it looks like to be an ambassador in, in your context, the body of Christ in your context. But I want to leave you with this one word that I think is really important. You got to take that first step. Um, and it doesn't have to be a big step. It can be a baby step, but you got to take the first step. If you're running a marathon, you have to start with one step. And, and, and really, that first step is the most important step because that step means you're in the race. You're in the race. And the momentum of that first step leads to the second step and third step and fourth step. But if you don't take that first step, you'll never have the momentum to take a second step. By definition, you can't take a second step if you haven't taken a, if you haven't taken a first step. Start flexing that missional muscle. And I say that because if, if flexing your missional muscle hasn't been part of your life... It, it, that just wasn't on your radar screen that just is what it is um, well then this message might sound kind of alarming to you, it, it might kind of be freaking you out, like you might be hearing, Oh well, Greg says I'm supposed to, Pastor Boyd says I'm supposed to be a missionary and then you think you of some missionary to Timbuktu and you don't want to be that, or Pastor Boyd says thinks I'm supposed to start a house church or I'm supposed to be a witness to my neighbors he wants me to go knocking on doors, he wants me to become a Jehovah's Witness, I promise you that's not what I want you to be in fact, I, for a year almost, I, I, I practiced door-to-door evangelism every Sunday night. And I can testify from experience that it's probably the worst form of evangelism imaginable. Uh, nothing can be more counterproductive than that. Especially when, and this pushes my pacifist button just a little bit, when you have a sign on your door that says no soliciting, and the Jehovah Witnesses knock anyways. That's where you have to like, have unsurpassable worth. I agree with you, Lord, they have unsurpassable worth. They can't read, but they have unsurpassable worth. So, so here's the thing. Don't freak out. Uh, don't think marathon. Think baby step. Think that first step. That first step in putting go back into the gospel. Maybe it's simply this. Maybe start with you, you take your dog out for a walk every night. Well, no, just use that time to start blessing your neighborhood. Pray over your neighborhood. That's the first step. Uh, or, or just be asking the Spirit to open your eyes. Um, at your workplace or maybe in your neighborhood or in your book club or your bike club or your wine tasting club or wherever you are, open your eyes to, uh, to see where there's a need that you might be able to meet or where there's a wound that you might be able to heal or there's a little bit of brokenness that you might be able to help men. Just have your eyes open. Most of the battle is just remembering who you are. You're an ambassador. So you know, Paul says in 2 Timothy, don't become so preoccupied with civilian affairs that you, you, you're no longer pleasing your commanding officer. Keep your mind open. Keep your eyes open. Be listening to the Spirit as He leads you, reaching out to others. Where are the relationships that maybe could be developed? What are relationships you already have? How can you maybe bring the kingdom a little bit to the relationships you already have? And, and for those who ch- are, are choosing to participate by live stream, um, I would just encourage you, whatever else happens, make sure that you turn your family into a house church. Uh, so your kids are regularly getting training and, and, the, and you're role-modeling for them uh, what the kingdom is all about. At least for the tractional church, you had something to bring them to once a week. They got reminded. If, if that's not happening, well, then you have to be asking the question, how else are you going to replace the education of your children? And see, th- this is a tremendous advantage if you do it right, because modeling for them the kingdom tw- seven days a week is way better than having them listen to a person talk for an hour on, once a week on the weekend service. Your ambassadors. You're the hands and feet of Christ, the body of Christ, um, can we start just flexing that muscle a little bit and begin to think like that, begin to act like that? Because see, here's the thing. If we become, if we avoid going into Wally Church and becoming relational and missional blobs, if we avoid that and instead become these physically fit mission muscle flexors, if a wide portion of the church begins to do that, it would be so Transforming. And actually, this is much closer to the New Testament than the Attractional Church ever was. So we're at a point here where it could be disastrous or it could be absolutely revolutionary. And it all hangs in the balance on this one question. Will will we be the people, individually and collectively, who say the buck stops with us? Uh, We all have a role to play. We all have a mission to do. Uh, We're all to be a little bit outward focused, reaching out beyond our comfort zones. We are to be the people who, as a follower of Jesus have learned to die to our preferences, our conveniences, our comforts. And when necessary, we put them aside for the sake of the kingdom. Can we start to do that? Fighting against the pull of a culture, going into isolation, we, we got to go the opposite direction, folks. Flex that relational muscle, flex that missional muscle, and let's watch what God can do. I'm actually really excited about the, 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 the position we find ourselves in. It, it really is a unique opportunity. It's, we're not saying anything we haven't said before, but for some, somehow it just seems like it's like that gal in the, in, in the video clip. You take off these blinders. It's like, whoa. Well, see could and see blurry, but this, we can now see more clearly. Like, this, we really are the front lines. We really are the body of Christ. I really am part of the body of Christ. I really am an ambassador. I got a job to do. I'm on mission. I'm sent here on purpose with intentionality. My job is to faithfully carry it out, and part of my carrying it out is to help Woodland Hills, as a church body, be carrying this out. And that's something leadership also. we got to be looking at ourselves and say, how do we more effectively equip the saints for the work of ministry? But notice, it's the saints who do the work of ministry. And if you are a follower of Jesus, well, the Bible calls you a saint because you're in Christ Jesus and you share in his righteousness. So it applies to all of us. Amen? Uh, am I supposed to make the announcements here, Mary? Okay, so I, 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 I probably should get these instructions before we're going public. Uh, So we've got, uh, I I always want to announce to you that we've got prayer rooms available if you would like to have prayer for any that's in your life. Or if you're here in in person, we've got prayer folks that'll be up at the the, uh, stage here. Take take advantage of that. We've got the MuseCast on Tuesdays. We've got gallery groups on whatever day they meet. And don't forget the uh, Music Fest here, not dead yet. And the revivals. It's going to be a good time. And that's something you might want to invite your friends to. Who doesn't like a rock concert, right? Um, I just send us out. Our listeners, whether by necessity or choice, those who are in the building here, always by choice, I send us out as missionaries, as ambassadors. Just keep your eyes open, follow the Spirit, and be used by God as His hands, as His feet to do His work. Start with one step. It can be the smallest step imaginable, but that's the, that's the most important step. Just start developing this other-oriented mindset. As an ambassador of Jesus Christ, go in Jesus' name. I send you out. God bless.